welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here, each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Submit. That's a command most of us don't want to hear. But is it possible for us to see submission as a positive rather than a negative thing? In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss the scriptural charge to submit to one another in love for one another and as an act of worship to God, and how, when it's done correctly with the right motivation, submission actually becomes something we enjoy doing. Let's join the discussion now. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris, and we got Pastor Nate Morris back with us again this week. Last week, we were with Evan Johnson, who shared, and uh, Nate, welcome back, and uh, just for the people who are listening, maybe haven't heard, uh, you're healing up really quick from your mountain bike accident. Is it quicker than you expected? Uh, I, somebody said that yesterday to me at church, and I, to be honest, it doesn't feel quick to me. <laughs> it's been like, it's been Fair. like ten and a half weeks or something like that right now. But, but it is, I, I, you know, from what it could have been, I am definitely healing up really well. So I'm super grateful. Um, yeah. I say that kind of in joking that it, it but it, it has felt like a long time, but I, but I am really kind of, as I get near the end, I'm definitely feeling better and better. So praise oh, God for that. Good. Yeah. The, um, you can't see Nate, we're doing this kind of remote. So I, I have a video of him, but he has a soft brace on his neck now and he can actually, you can actually kind of twist your, your head around a little bit now. Yeah. Too, huh? Yeah. I think that, that, the. I have, they switched me from a hard collar to a soft collar. And the point of the soft collar is to, um, allow me to move my head without it just kind of falling over <laughs> like a bobblehead <laughs> because of the, <laughs> muscles. the muscles in my neck. Uh, yeah. yeah. My head was in one position for over eight weeks, nine weeks, something like wow. that. Um, and so all the muscles around my neck just kind of atrophied. And so then, um, when you take the hard collar off your head, just kind of, it doesn't actually flop, but it feels like it's going to flop. You really? know? <laughs> so, oh, um, so the soft collar kind of keeps my head from tipping too far in yeah. any direction and helps me helps the, the muscles kind of reactivate a little bit. So, which is good. Have you ever been through something like this before, like a broken leg or anything where you couldn't use a certain part of your body for a certain amount of time? Yeah, probably the most recent thing was, a I had a knee surgery in 2018. Um, a meniscus tear and it was supposed to be a pretty quick recovery but it actually um i had some issues in the recovery process that made it last a long time so but it wasn't as long as this it was more like six to eight weeks before i got back to normal so um mm. but i that was actually prop that was pretty difficult because you couldn't walk you know you're on crutches you're like mm. i couldn't use my my leg at all for about a month so so what was that like when you first took that off? Was it like your leg muscles just like super weak on that side? Well, I actually had a problem during the surgery that when I woke up, my, my something about the way they did it, like messed up the nerve or something, something happened where that quad muscle on that, on my right leg wasn't functioning at all after the Yikes. surgery. So I couldn't, it wasn't like it detached or anything, just some sort of nerve issue happened. And, um, it might've been the blocker that they used to go in and do the surgery. It like caused a nerve 
blockage or something in it i couldn't extend my leg i couldn't flex my quad um so i had to do a whole bunch of therapy for that just to get it to work um so that was actually the reason that the the recovery took longer than it was supposed to was because if i had had that quad muscle functioning normally after the surgery it would have just been three to four weeks and i would have been back to good as new but that i had to rebuild that quad muscle strength and Mm. do a bunch of stuff there so did they give you a an estimate on how long it's going to take for your neck to be back uh the only estimates i've really gotten were about how long i'd have to wear the braces and stuff so they told me from the beginning that it was going to be about 12 weeks so Mm. three months with the braces and then after that it's just a matter of recovery pt and kind of going through all the stuff to get it healed up strong again and all that so um i'm getting there i'm doing more and more without the braces and you know after i get the braces off i I imagine it's going to be a couple months of just kind of healing up still um a little bit um and really it's all kind of pain you know dependent it's what it's kind of oh how much i do too much i can feel it yeah Mm -hmm. totally so well this week you you're teaching on in ephesians 5 we began a series within a series um called relationship goals which is all found in ephesians what is it not just chapter five but into chapter six as well yeah is that correct yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um so it's interesting because you started off this week talking about uh ephesians uh, 5 verse 21 that just says submitting to one another in the fear of god but you need the context of the long, what, five-verse sentence that he has here yeah, uh, where he says, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. <sighs> yes. <laughs> that Say that five times breath. fast. <laughs> um. And, and so you're focused in on this about, uh, we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks now about relationships, how we deal with them. And we're going to get to some specific relationships about husbands and wives, uh, parents and children in the workplace relationships and all of these different things. But this is kind of overarching of all of those things is submitting to one another in the fear of God. And you really focused in on, um, how uh, we're called to love one another. And it's interesting. I'm a question for you personally, as you've gone through this accident in the healing process that you're going through, um, have you noticed that it's, is it, has it been like, because you've had to focus on yourself, right? You know, and, and all the things that you're doing, have you missed out on the ability to love other people? Like, how did you deal with that? Because, and the reason I'm asking is because I think a lot of people find ourselves in this spot sometimes where we have to focus on ourselves. Like we're just forced yeah. to because of an injury or an illness or something like right. that. And yeah. how did, how did you deal with that? Like, were you able to still love other people? Do you think as you went through this or, you know, how did that all go for you? Yeah, for me is interesting. I mean, it, it, um, Yes, you try to when you can, how you can, and connecting with people and those types of things. Um, but I, it was an interesting 
especially the beginning part was an interesting season because I couldn't do anything for a long time. I mean, it was, it was a solid month that I was basically in bed the entire time. Couldn't move, couldn't really do anything. Um, and was in a lot of pain. And during that time, we were on the receiving end of a lot of love from a lot of people, uh, in the form of meals in the form of people mowing our lawn in the form of people doing things around the house for us. Um, that we received a lot of kind of what we talked about this last week from people, which was awesome. It was really great, but I'm not used to that personally. I'm not, I'm not saying that people don't, you know, bless us and those types of things. I'm just saying right, like, I'm right. not used, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't, I'm not, that's not the most comfortable thing for me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to receive a lot of help from other people, those types of things. Um, and so it was, in a different sense, it was kind of good for us and me to go through that season and, and allowing people to love on us in that way. And it was a real mm. blessing to receive that. Um, at the same time, it was also hard for me because a lot of what I build my life around is serving and loving people, right? That's that's like in being a pastor and being a, a teacher, I, I put a lot of heart and love into my messages. I put a lot of time into counseling and, and into uh, meeting with people and encouraging people and connecting with people and those types of things. And I couldn't do, at least for the first part, I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't even like do the dishes for my wife, <laughs> you know, like it was like everything around the house was completely on my wife for a long time. I'm starting to be able to do a little bit more now, but, um, and it was difficult to not be able to kind of help out or not be able to, um, help other people or, or even like meeting up with people that, you know, need to talk or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. it was definitely kind of having to be like, well, if you want to meet up, you got to come pick me up at my house and then, we'll, <laughs> you know, literally <laughs> so, pick you up. <laughs> um, yes, totally. Um, so yeah, cause I haven't even been able to drive. So, um, so it's, I would say that that's been challenging. It's also been good in one sense, just to see the body of Christ come together and, and support us through that time. But, mm -hmm. um, but it has been challenging to kind of like have to take a back burner in some of those things. There's been yeah. opportunities that God's given me in some ways to kind of connect with people um, that have been through similar things, you know, yeah. um, and kind of, you know, commiserating a little bit. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would say that has been a challenge for sure. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a difficult thing for people. One of the things that makes it hard when you're going through some kind of a traumatic experience is that the re reality that you have to think about yourself a lot. <laughs> and that's just mm -hmm. like, I know when I went through something like that in the past, like it, it really highlighted the fact that that's miserable. You know, like, you know, yeah. just always being focused on yourself and thinking about yourself can really make you miserable. It's a joy to be able to love other people. Yeah. Um, you know, you you talked about uh, uh, that how you brought this out again, uh, and you've shared this a few times as we've been going through Ephesians about the first three chapters of Ephesians being focused on how much God loves us, and the second three chapters of Ephesians focused on uh, how we follow God, and that's where we find ourselves as we're talking about uh, relationships with other people and the goals that we have for those relationships and. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, like if you get those things out of order, if you're trying to follow God without realizing how much he loves you, uh, you can get yourself into a place. So like, could you just share a little bit about like 
what you've seen or what you've experienced when you get those things out of order? Yeah, I think um, sometimes we can try to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. I mean, like when you've got a decision and you don't have the willpower and you're just like, I need to do the right thing, do the right thing. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we can get in, in into a place of um, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do rather than because we're worshiping God with our thoughts and our hearts mm. and our actions. And we're doing it as an act of worship to the Lord rather than just because it's the right moral mm. thing to do. Um, and this is what happens. This is where we get into legalism in a lot of church settings is, well, this is the, what you're supposed to do. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to not do this. You got to not do this. You got to not do that. And it becomes a list of to do's and a list of not to do's. And, um, you can do the right thing with the wrong heart. And I think that it actually doesn't honor God when you do that. Oh, yeah. Um, now it's not the same as like going out and saying, well, I'm just going to go, you know, sleep around and get drunk and do whatever like that. It's not, it's not on the same plane as that maybe, but I think that having the wrong heart about doing the right thing, uh, doesn't actually honor the Lord. It doesn't actually bring pleasure to the heart of God. It doesn't actually further your walk with the Lord. It's just doing the right thing. And, um, I think that's really the reason that the, the, this book of Ephesians is laid out like this is it's all about god's love and grace and mercy and and just his abundance towards us as believers and then it's our response to that and it's not you know you're going to live this way because it's the right way to live it's you're going to live this way because you love the lord and you're overwhelmed by his goodness towards you uh and what could you what else could you do but want to honor him with your life you know yeah the uh you know the deconstructionist movement or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, where people are like deconstructing their faith. Uh, yeah. Really, I think mostly walking away from the Lord um, in that process. But I think a lot of that is motivated because of this. They didn't read the first three chapters and they were trying to do the last three chapters. Um, right. They were trying to live out this Christian life without realizing how much God loves them. And um, yeah. I would deconstruct that myself. <laughs> you know, I yeah, would walk no, away absolutely. from that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of hard stuff in the in the second half of Ephesians. If you if you mm-hmm. just really look at it and take it at face value, it's like, okay, well, don't get drunk, okay? Yeah. Um, like, like submit to one another, um, and you know, like talking about th- these different relationships as it gets into this. There's some mm-hmm. difficult instruction in this section of Ephesians to receive if you don't have that basic heart of love for the father um out of what we've seen him do for us you know we love him because he first loved loved us as it says and that's really the heart behind all of that yeah what what would you say to somebody who has gotten these things out of order that they're like saying christianity isn't for me it's just a bunch of rules and just a bunch of do's and don'ts and i'm i'm leaving uh, how would you encourage somebody that maybe is listening to this or has a friend uh, that is going through something like that, what would you encourage them to do? Yeah, I think um, I'd say it's more than something I can give in a one kind of sentence statement. Um, But there's a lot of reasons that people go through that process of what you're calling, you know, the deconstruction and those types of things. Um, 
a lot of it actually isn't even to do with themselves. A lot of it has to do with how they see other people acting. <laughs> mm. I, I think I see when I hear a lot of the, the talk from people who have deconstructed their faith or whatever, it's because they see other Christians acting in certain ways, either other Christians being legalistic mm-hmm. or other Christians being hypocritical. And, um, and it turns them off and they then themselves feel like, well, I don't really want to do all these rules supposedly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so why should I follow this whole God thing anyways? Um, you know, it's not, it's getting less and less popular to be a Christian in society, you know, by the minute. And so it's too hard. Why would I even want to do it? And I think what you're missing when you walk down that path is that you've looked at Christianity as um, something that might be a cultural movement or something that might be a way of living. Um, but that's not what Christianity is. It's a relationship with the living God. And when you know, um, God and you know, the love of God and you know, the grace of God and the mercy of God and all the things that are detailed in the first half of Ephesians. And I would say, I mean, if that's you go read chapter one through three of Ephesians, just go read that and, and just sit with that for a while, you know? and and let the love and the grace and the mercy and the the abundance of god just rest on you and see where your heart lands at the end of that and and where your motivation is because the motivation to to submit to the holy spirit which then enables us to submit to each other which enables us to live out the the holy life that we're called to uh it comes not from trying to be a good person or trying to follow the rules but from um a heart of love for because of what God has done for us. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, you know, I I think about just in Christianity in the United States today, how there's so much of a movement about like trying to legislate morality or, you know, Mm -hmm. what we see in scripture as Christians and wanting to pass laws and do all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, we're trying to get our, you know, getting the, our country or the world to do the second half of Ephesians without the first half. And right. They like, it's like, you can try and do, you can see all that stuff as good and right. say, this is a good way to live, you know, and do that. And like, just skip the first three chapters and try to do the last three chapters. But if you, uh, you know, really drink in the first three chapters, you're going to want to do the last three chapters. Like you can, you can do the second half of the book without the first half. You can try. Yeah. You can be miserable, but you can try and you can try force other people to do it. But man, if you, if you go to those first three chapters, you're going to be like, and okay, then what, what do I want to, how can I live, you know? And absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like when, when Paul came back to Jerusalem after all these Gentiles were becoming believers, which was kind of uh, mind blowing to these Jews, that these people who had not been um, Jews were were getting saved, mm-hmm. uh, and he he's like, you know, here's what what's going on, here's how this goes, and James and Peter and the 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 council there said, well, what we don't want to put a burden on them that neither we nor our fathers could bear, and so here's <laughs> like what this looks like, you know, and so I think um, this is when we look at the culture and this is probably part of the reason that some people deconstruct is that that Christ, christianity and and christian culture and, and evangelicalism in the u.s is perceived as being these kind of like world police if you will yeah. like yeah. we're demanding obedience to all of these moral codes that we have mm-hmm. um 
and you know demanding that the world kind of acquiesce to our morality mm. and fighting in a culture war and i think that what we're missing what what the 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 church is missing is that they're like christians shouldn't be a part of any culture war we're not here to win the culture we're here to win people mm-hmm. and people are individuals and people are not these kind of groups that we lump them into and they're not liberal or uh, conservative. They're, it, people are individual people who God loves. And when we kind of label things and, you know, rubber stamp things and put things on, um, on the docket, you know, legally and these types of things, I think what we're doing is, is we're doing a disservice to our ability to, um, to preach the gospel to, to, to people, to, to people who would then meet this God who loves them so radically that, they would then fall in love with him and receive the power to walk away from those lifestyles that right. we would argue against. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be moral standards and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be, you know, these things. Um, but, but I think that w- we've been told that to be Christian means to be loud and obnoxious yeah. <laughs> and kind of demand that the world follow our conservative Christian morality. And man, if that's what being a Christian is, then to be honest, I don't really want to be a part of that. You know, it's like what you said. I don't want the second half of Ephesians without the first half. Like the second half is too hard. It just, you can't do it on your own. You know, you need the power of the spirit that only comes from that relationship with Christ that uh, is based on his love for us. So, and if we got everybody to do the second half of Ephesians, that still doesn't bring them into relationship with the Lord, into a saving right. relationship with the Lord. It's like, what? that's not what we want. <laughs> we, yeah, do, we want to totally. see people get saved and have a relationship yeah. with God. We don't want them just to act nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's, sadly, I think there are a lot of Christians out there who are just like, I just want everybody to act nice and just do what we want them to do, sadly. Right. Well, we've got a few minutes left to actually talk about the content of the teaching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry. I kind of went on a little <laughs> sidetrack there, no, it's, <laughs> but it's but, good. You know, you were talking about submission, and uh, that word, I think it just rubs almost everybody the wrong way when you first hear it, Absolutely. like, submit, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. what you, when you tap out in MMA or whatever, you know, it's like, right. Uh, why is this a positive thing? How yeah. is submission positive? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, to submit the word, like the English word submit is probably what has a bad connotation with us. Um, the, the original word really means to come under, means to, to come up under somebody else. And um, it, it, it's an attitude of humility and an attitude of meekness and an attitude of preference for the other. Um, it's not an attitude of saying, well, whatever you want, but it's an attitude of saying, I'm here to serve. That's why God has called me to be here. And that's, I mean, that's, it says we're to model the example of Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. Right. And so Mm -hmm. every Christian is not here to be served. We're here to serve. Like we're, we're supposed to be little Christ's. We're supposed to be those who follow Christ. And so our attitude as Christians should be that of submission. Uh, another way to look at it is if you look at like the the, the break apart the English word submission, you're, it's like sub meaning under under mission coming under mm. the mission 
mm-hmm. um, of Christ really is what it is. It's coming under the mission of God in this mm-hmm. world and saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to s- submit my will to the Lord's will. And by doing that, I'm going to come up under um, other people and serve them and really prioritize others ahead of myself. And that's really mm-hmm. kind of what the, the message was, is that we're called to, um, to, prioritize others. And this is the opposite of everything the world is telling us to do. Um, the world would tell us that we need to look out for number one. The world would tell us that, um, that, that it's all about you. I mean, I even, it's funny because we, we had that message and then we got home and my wife saw this ad on her phone, um, for a clothing company that was saying, um, make yourself your number one priority. And it was talking about like buying clothes, right? They wanted you to buy these clothes, but like make yourself your number one priority. And it's like, oh, see, like all the time the world is telling us to look out for ourselves and be self-focused and look for self-fulfillment and be your authentic self. And Mm. um, it's why we see so much, so much problem in in the culture today is just, it's all about self and nobody likes the idea of submitting. Nobody likes the idea of coming under others, but this is the core attitude of Christians towards other people is, you know, to deny ourselves and, um, to come up under other people and to serve and to love and to bless them. It's like Mm -hmm. Paul said, you know, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself, um, to literally take other people's, you know, priorities as above our own, um, and I, I think that some people would make the argument, well, I've seen some people just are like that and they're doormats and they get run over and, you know, they never have any good boundaries. And they, do. yeah, I think that there are people like that, but that's probably not most of us. Um, and, you know, honestly, those people that are like that, they're, they're, they're probably actually um, insecure and doing that out of a selfish motivation as odd as that sounds. And we don't really have time to go down that road, but mm-hmm. um, you can be selfishly motivated in not wanting people to think poorly of you in um, not wanting to ruffle any feathers. And so you kind of just come under to not to avoid conflict, you know, mm-hmm. those types of things. Those are selfish motivations actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not actually what this is talking about. It's talking about preferring others to yeah. yourself. It's very, very countercultural, very radical, uh, this, yeah. this thought. And I think it's important that we see it as that. Otherwise, we won't be able to accept it and seek right. to live it out. That we have to understand this is very, very different than what we are naturally used to in ourselves. Yeah. But it's, it's really funny because who wants to hang out with a bunch of selfish people? <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody does. Nobody yeah. wants to. But then like if selfishness is good, then why don't you want to hang out with a bunch of selfish people? You know, you want to hang out with people who are living this out in their life, but then we don't want to be those people. (laughs) No, yeah. You know, it's 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 very interesting because if we would just step back and look at it and go, Well, this is definitely better, um, because that's who we want to have as friends are right unselfish, loving people, but yet do are we willing to be that? Um, I want to talk about a little bit just more about what you were just sharing there, because I do think that that's an issue for a lot of people on the submission issue is they're afraid that they're going to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I give up, like they're giving up power to this other yeah. person, you know, and you know, who's going to, 
who's going to worry about me? You know, if I don't worry about myself, if I don't take care of myself, you know, that old adage of you can't love others until you love yourself. And, yeah. and they're worried about like, if I give up my rights or whatever to love this person selflessly, then who's going to worry about me? And what would right. you, how would you encourage somebody who's struggling with that? I think that we, again, have to go back to the first half of Ephesians and recognize the love of God for us. Because that attitude of who's going to look out for me, mm. when you really realize that the God who spoke the universe into existence and currently holds it together, it says, in him all things consist. That mean, Literally, if you break that apart, what it means is he is right now holding every atom mm. of your body together. <laughs> yeah. Like right now, it's only because he's holding it together that you even exist. All that would need to happen for the entire universe to cease to exist would be for God to let go. Yeah. If that God loves you the way that the first three chapters of Ephesians describes his love for you, if he loves you that much, and if his grace for you is so powerful, and if his love is wider than you can measure and deeper and higher than you can imagine, and if he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can even <laughs> ask or dream up, if this is the God that we're talking about, and this is the love that he has for you, he's looking out for you more than you are. Yeah. You know, like, like he is actually more concerned with your well-being than you are concerned with your well-being. And that's really, I think what it comes down to is we don't trust God. Yeah. We believe in God and we love him and we hope for good things for him, but we don't actually trust his character mm -hmm. to be what he says that he is. We think he's going to judge us. We think he's going to let us down. We think he doesn't care about our situation and he does. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you don't go through hard things, but, um, when we are looking out for number one, we're actually getting in God's way of looking out for us, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's it. And I, I think, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's Peter that, that, or it might be in Romans. I don't remember. Uh, was it beloved? Do not avenge yourselves, but yeah. give place for God's wrath. And I always see that as like, like God gives us a choice. Either you can care for yourself or you can trust him to care for you. And yeah. like what you were just saying is like, which one's stronger, you or God? And, right. but it is that trust thing, like the trust fall analogy of like, you have to like just lean back and fall backwards into people's arms, trusting that they're going to care for you. And if you try to stop yourself, you're actually, it's going to be, they won't be you're able to hurt catch yourself. You. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think that that's, a, a big problem in our world is that we, we think we have to do God's job for him in, in lots of different areas. We don't, there's really, we don't really trust him, you know? Yeah. And I fall into that too. It's not, I can sound yeah. preachy when I get passionate about this, but I fall <laughs> into that too, you know, like yeah. I fall into not trusting and I fall into being like, I got to take care of this. And like either God has me or he doesn't. And if he has me, then I can follow what he says and believe that he's going to take care of me. And so when he says, when someone forces you to go with them and carry their stuff for a mile to go with them too, I can yeah. say, well, that person's not going to look out for me. They are going to take advantage of me and I'm called to serve and love them anyways. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. But when I trust that God's looking out for me, that's when I can do that, you know? And it's, it's so amazing because then when you walk in that, 
and you see God take care of you, what happens is your faith increases, which means your trust in him increases. You yeah. become more powerful and willing and able to love other people and submit in these ways and stuff. And it just grows and grows and grows. But if you keep that back and like, well, I, I can't, nobody's going to take advantage of me. I got to watch out for myself and everything. Yeah. Then you don't get to see God stepping in and doing the amazing things and your faith doesn't grow and your trust doesn't grow. And so... Uh, one last thing I want to get in here. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our staff meeting, but I think this is really important is that um, I think sometimes what causes us to hold back uh, from loving others in a selfless manner is because we've tried it before and it yeah. didn't seem to work. Like we didn't see a result from it. Um, yeah. What would you say to somebody who's maybe struggling with that? Like, oh, I've tried that selfless love before, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great point because we can read even some of the things like when Paul says, you know, if your enemy's hungry, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. And so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. The, impl the implication there is that as we love people who are treating us poorly, that we have an impact on their life. And we do. You do have an impact on their life. But I think sometimes we can take that and then turn that into a self-focus where we are looking for a result from our action in somebody else's life. It's like, well, okay, yeah. well, I'm going to love this person selflessly. And as I do, I hope that they're going to love me in response and mm. reciprocate that. And um, what the word would tell us is that that can't be our motivation for loving that person well. We have to love them not expecting a response at all. And if we get one, man, praise God for that. And that's amazing. But when you go into it with a motivation to see yourself, uh, your own desire in that relationship or for that person uh, fulfilled, what ends up happening is you get disappointed and you kind of didn't actually do what you went in it to do, to be honest, because what you're really looking for is this result. You're not actually being selfless. You're being selfish. You're saying, oh, well, I'm going <laughs> to, this is my angle to get them to do what I want them to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's selfish. That's not selfless. That's, yeah. that's, that's a selfish motivation. And so, um, so loving selflessly means just loving because Jesus has loved us. It's loving, not as looking for a result from that person, but out of worship and to Christ. Yeah. I, I know the older I get, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I start, I realize the more I'm willing to let go of expectations re regarding results, mm -hmm. the lot a lot happier I am and yeah. more willing to serve selflessly because I'm just like, I'm just doing what God told me to do. What you do with it, that's between you and the Lord. But I did what I was calling, you know, and, and right. that goal just being to see him face to face and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. You, know, you just, you did what I'm asking you to do. He doesn't say, why didn't that produce the results? <laughs> like, he doesn't hold yeah. us responsible for that. So I'm very glad for that. Yes, me too. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to pastornate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.